I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig it? Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Hello and welcome to the Borough Breakdown podcast, Opposition Show. In this episode, we'll be talking about the not-a-derby derby against Sunderland. I'm delighted to be joined by Graham from What The Folk podcast. Firstly, Graham, thank you very much for, for joining us. Let's get straight to it. Five wins in your last eight games. Obviously, you play Watford tonight. How are you feeling ahead of the game against us at the weekend? Quite chilled about it, to be honest. Obviously, we're, we're speaking before the game against Watford tonight. Um, but I think win, lose, or draw tonight, I would feel quite similar about the game on, on Saturday. It's a really odd time to be a Sunderland fan. I don't mean that in the sense that everything's going really bad, but normally it does with Sunderland and normally it gets documented on TV shows and we have to kind of live through it again and again and again. But to be honest, like it's been really great the past sort of year and a half, maybe longer supporting Sunderland. We have a model, we have a plan. And I think that's a bit of a novelty for Sunderland to actually have a plan. And we've got players that like like wearing the shirt, which kind of helps because there's been a lot that haven't. But I still want to win. Like there's still a little bit of nerves. I'm sure we'll get on to whether I think it's a derby or not at some point. But <laughs> like I, I want, I think it's a real chance to go up this season. And I think you, you look at everything I've just discussed there about players that I actually like and want to wear the shirt and stuff like that. I think another season in the championship, we might not be seeing those for much longer, especially the likes of Jack Clark. So. I'd ideally like to hang on to those players and a win on Saturday is a big win because I think you'll be there or thereabouts come the end of the season despite that sort of bad start of the season that you had. And it means there's more chance of Jack Clark sticking around for a bit longer. So uh, nervous in a kind of weird way. Yeah, I was going to, I actually wasn't going to ask if it was a derby or not because I think you might have said it in last season's preview mm. that it's not the derby because obviously, mm. you know, something in Newcastle. But we'll shelf that, I think. It's a rather overdone kind of narrative isn't it but um you mentioned Jack Clark there he for me fits into Sunderland's strengths but from people that haven't watched Sunderland this season what are Sunderland's key strengths? Totally fearless and I think that comes kind of it's born out of the fact that Sunderland are a team just to kind of give context and obviously there's there's slight caveats to this 
um, as in like Bradley Dak, but predominantly we only sign players under the age of 24. They tend to come from either abroad or they'll come from Premier League academies. Now, we bring them in sort of as rough diamonds and then try to essentially get them to a point where I think we could sell them on. Haven't really sold many people on, to be honest, uh, which is a good thing, which shows that we're not going to be held to ransom. But that's kind of our model in in short. And I think what you get when you have players that are under the age of 24 that have come from academies and getting their first team football, there's like a level of uh, fearlessness, which... They don't really have, I wouldn't say they don't not respect the opposition, but they're just, they're about what they're about. They want to show themselves for what they are. They don't really care about what they're coming up against. And that occasionally means that, you know, your right back should put it out for a throw in and doesn't and tries to pass back to the keeper and is a bit fearless and ends up putting it out for a corner. And then you concede in the corner and you get beat off Cardiff. But that's kind of the real small cons to what's been a massive pro for Sunderland, I think. You know, under Mowbray, it's, it's not someone that you do not know. Let's be honest. You might be aware of Tony Mowbray. And I don't know what his style of football was like um, with yourselves. And I know he had a very much different budget constraints when he was with yourselves. But with us, he's been like, you know, the, the guy that did a podcast with us, uh, that does a, the podcast with me, sorry, and um, Brad, he said in WhatsApp the other day, he says, you know, Tony Mowbray is the best thing that's happened to someone since Peter Reid. And I desperately try to disagree with him. And it's really hard to. I'm not saying I do agree with him, but, you know, he's got a point because he just plays such good football and he's like a granddad and he's just a nice bloke. And I think the big thing with Tony Mowbray is he gets the area and I think that's massive for any team, and you know, be it Saudi Arabian, state-owned Newcastle, Sunderland or Middlesbrough. I think you have to understand at least what the fans want or have an idea of what their identity is. And I think Tony Mowbray really does probably because of how close he's been born next to, you know, the city and the football club. And, and he has an idea of it since he was very, very small. But his brand of football is great. You know, if you're talking about what Sunderland's style is, I feel a bit I feel a bit worried saying this, but it's a really good style of football. Um, we're really good to watch. I think it's not just a biased kind of viewpoint either because it has some it has some drawbacks. I mentioned the Cardiff game before. It does have drawbacks sometimes, but to watch, we're really exciting, I think. You know, it was a couple of times against Borough last year um, in the home game. I think you would have seen us like breaking on you like towards the end. And when you've got Roberts and you've got Jack Clark and as it was Diallo at the time breaking at you with speed, there's a lot of teams in the championship can't really deal with it. It's the best football I've probably seen us play in my lifetime because generally when we've been good, it's been under Sam Allardyce and Peter Reid, which is, I'm not going to say a bad style of football because I enjoyed it both. I like winning games. I don't care how you win them, but... They were very much um, pragmatic at the very least, but like possession-based, you would say. You know, Quinn and Phillips up top as it was, get the crosses in, they'll put the goals in. Some other dice was percentage-based football. Uh, this is a really nice style of football, which is all about one-touch passing and a bunch of young, fearless kids that just like having a go. And it feels really nice to say that because I haven't said that probably ever. So, yeah, we're, we're dead good at football sometimes. <laughs> Hopefully you're not on Saturday. I was going to say that, you know, the, the strengths of Sunderland, I think you're dribbly as fuck. I think that's probably what I'd say about Sunderland. And it's interesting because Borough's fullback area at the moment, we had Lucas Engel have a, a very good game against Cardiff. But before that, he had a shocker against Sheffield Wednesday, got taken off at half time. So going into this game at the weekend, I'd be very interested in your right winger versus our left back. I think that's going to be mm. a very key area. That might be a, a an area for Sunderland to target Middlesbrough. But as for Middlesbrough potentially targeting an area of Sunderland, where do you think your weaknesses lie in that team? Um, probably what I mentioned before in many ways. I think when we've struggled, and this is why I feel a bit calm 
about the Middlesbrough game, to be honest, because I think evidently you're one of the better sides in the league. I know your league position doesn't state that, but I think you obviously are. You may be missing the centre forward because you've just lost one, but you learn to play a different way and, and I'll come. But I don't expect Middlesbrough to come and sit back and like sit in and try and hit us on the break. Now, the teams that tend to beat us are Cardiff's, you know, teams you would normally expect to win at home. And this is no disrespect to them because you played the game to to win three points. No matter how you play, it doesn't matter. But Cardiff played us to a tee. They sat back and like they were in twenty yard box for mm-hmm. eighty five minutes and just they went did that against us yesterday. It's it's sometimes really hard to break it down. And um, you know, we I wouldn't say it's a weak spot because they've, they've played really well. But we don't have Ross Stewart, and Ross Stewart is. At, the least more experienced than what we've got at the moment. So you've got Mason Burstow, who's 18, 19 on loan from Chelsea. He's got a lot about him, but he's raw. If he's raw, the other boy you brought in, Semedo, is like like uncooked chicken level of raw. Like he's he's really raw. And they've both got something. But with Ross Stewart, you know, you had a player there that could sniff out a chance out of nowhere. Those lads are still getting to that point that neither of them have scored their first goal yet. You're sort of waiting for that to happen. So sometimes we can have loads of possession, but if the team sits in the 20-yard box and you just kind of put it in the back of the net for one, for, love, for like love the money, it, it can be a bit of a pain in the backside. So I don't expect Borough to do that. So I don't think you'll play necessarily into our weaknesses, but I think where we sometimes struggle is that we struggle to break teams down at home, particularly away from home. We seem absolutely fine. And we can't get beyond that really, really deep line. And then we get done by a corner because of a lack of concentration in the 86th minute. Like, But there's not too many outside of the really basic fact that they're young kids that are going to make mistakes. And sometimes championship teams capitalise on that. And we're capable of an occasional stinker one every like 12, 13 games. We got beat 5-1 of Stoke last year and Stoke are absolutely honking. So we're capable of it because young kids are capable of that. But without saying we don't have any weaknesses, because that would be a lie, I would say... It depends how you play against us. It depends how we turn up on the day, but we're generally quite consistent with the unfortunate problem that sometimes you can't break a team down at home because it's sit so deep and then get done on the counter later on. But we're playing really well at the moment before the Watford game. I hope I was thinking uh, if we're going to have ones tonight and not Saturday. How's life post, Ross Stewart? Because listening to the episode that you were on last season, you were a big, big fan of him, weren't you? And you mentioned two players that were still one of them. There's probably potential there, right? But how are you feeling about Sunderland in that striker department this season? I love Ross Stewart. Like I've spent the last few weeks purposely trying not to mention him on on my own podcast, and there's Sorry. another guy who does it. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's a good question to ask, I think. And there's another lad called Dave who's borderline sort of jealous ex now that he's left. <laughs> Ross was really, really, really good. Like for me. Um, I know Borough fans might disagree because of Akpom, but for me, he was far and wide outside of maybe Jokera as the best striker in the league. He just had everything. Like he was capable of, like he, he was strong. He could hold the ball up. For me, he was. I would have given him a contract a long time ago, but he, he didn't get one. And there's a there was a disagreement over the contract and how much he was going to get, and so on and so forth. Does this sound like Akpom at all to yourselves? Because I feel like it's similar. Yeah, there was a lot of back and forth. A lot of. Uh-huh. what on earth is going on kind of thing yeah there was that all all throughout the summer we sort of had that for a bit longer with Ross and the problem that Ross had was you know when he was on the pitch I think he scored like 10 and 12 which is pretty good he did have two massive injuries so he tore his thigh literally in the warm-up before the Middlesbrough game then a week after the Borough game when he had a great game against yourselves he went and done his Achilles 
he had a year left on his contract. We got offered 10, rising at 12 million. I'm Ross Stewart's biggest fan, but it was something I don't think you can turn down. He was never going to sign a contract. It was not going to happen. Whether you think Ross deserved more, whether you think the club was doing right by not breaking the wage budget, ultimately an agreement wasn't going to happen, so you needed to take the money. Do I watch something sometimes and go, oh, God, I wish we had Ross Stewart? Yeah, 100%. But I think um, Burstow in particular is getting stronger game by game. And one big thing you, you talk about, sort of life post-Ross Stewart, and it definitely is one because there was a few players that left in the summer. Danny Bart was our player of the year last year, and I think it was Jack Clark personally. But um, Danny Bart did play really, really well and was a massive reason we, we started so well in our first season back. And he also left, and there was a cloud that hung over us the first few weeks of the season where you were like, well, are these lads going or staying? And you had half the fan base going, we need to keep them, we need to keep them on board. Me being one of them, that thought we needed to keep these experienced heads and experienced players and should turn down what money was coming forth. And he had another that said, well, you know, like if they're not going to stay, like plow on and, and change it. And I think literally from the first 52 seconds when Jack Clark headed in the first goal against Southampton the day after deadline day, we've looked like a real like unit. And I don't think Ross Stewart was in any way shaped as a former troublemaker. I really don't. But I think the cloud of Ross Stewart's contact and uh, what if Ross Stewart was playing hanging over something, it's kind of gone. And there's a bit more freedom there. The big benefit is that we spent about eight months of last season not playing with Ross Stewart or a striker. So we suddenly know how to play without a striker. Now that we have two young ones, it's not as much as... The system's not as reliant on both of them, which means there's less pressure on them. So... Better than I could ever have hoped, but I'm sure there'll be a point in the next few weeks where I go, oh, I wish we had Ross Stewart. Probably. I mean, even as a Borough fan, we, we were linked with him quite a few mm-hmm. times over the years. I think he is someone that is undoubtedly a good striker. From a Borough persuasion, is there anyone that, that worries you a little bit within our ranks? There was actually more last season. Um, the left-back, his name escapes me, he went to Luton. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Giles. Giles. Um, yeah. I, thought he was, I thought he was excellent. In a really weird way, your goalkeeper worries me because he scored a diving header against us in the last minute for QBR <laughs> last year. Um, so there's definitely that. I think, you know, without saying that you don't have really good individuals, I think what Boris sort of have and especially have had over the past four games and last year really was, I think you've got a good team cohesion. Like, I think Carrick really seems to rely on putting a team together that works as a team rather than the individuals. I've always been quite impressed with Jones, to be fair, mm. um, when he's played, I thought he had a really, really good game against us. I think it was in the the home leg. He, he seems rapid, to be fair. Pretty certain it was himself. Barlas is a decent player. I've seen him in League One previously with, I think he was on loan at Accrington for a bit. And then he, think he mm. moved on towards uh, Rotherham. And, and he always looked decent, but he's a mag, so I'll not give him too much of a compliment. Um, <laughs> yeah, i that for a second. As his character, to be fair. But um, <laughs> I think Dale Fry's had a a really good reputation for a long time for a reason. I don't know if he's quite Premier League yet from what I've seen, but you'll know better than I will. And then Paddy McNair, who is now a bona fide centre-half, which much better for us in a really, really, really bad time in like an advanced midfield position. Um, but I think, in truth, I, I just think you look like a, a unit as opposed to like a bunch of individuals, which maybe you could have picked out Akpom, who I thought was really poor against us, especially at the Stadium Light. I didn't see the hype, to be honest, but obviously he scored 28 goals, so he must have done Summit. Um, and I think he won, did he win player of the season? He did, yeah. Yeah, I thought he did. Um, so he, he must have had something about him, but for me, you look more like a team that has less of a team of individuals, more an actual team itself. 
do you think though that obviously you've got I think Coburn played up front last night is that correct he did yeah and you've got you know a couple of players that can put the ball in there you've got Matt Crooks and stuff like that as well who could potentially come off the bench who's known for getting a goal but if I'm looking at you starting 11 the only thing I would say is it does look like you haven't got an out and out striker but you could see the same about us so yeah very true Josh Coburn by the way former Sunderland Academy player. So there's that little niggling narrative there. I will say, like, mm. what you mentioned there, I think with Borough's team this season, it will take time to have that player that immediately stands out. Like, you, I'm not surprised you've gone for Jones because, obviously, we've seen him before excel in the championship with this team. I think there's a lot of potential there that hasn't quite mm. entered the, the, the party as it stands. But, yeah, there's there's a lot of time for that to grow. So maybe in the the reverse fix, you will you will have some some names. Tony Mowbray. Then you mentioned him a little bit earlier. Obviously, he is regarded still as a Middlesbrough legend, despite the position that he holds currently at Sunderland. What is the the general consensus on Tony Mowbray amongst the Sunderland fans? We all absolutely love him. I always say I don't speak on behalf of every Sunderland fan, but I think I probably can with that one. He's like he he honestly is like a granddad, and. It makes me feel old that I remember Tony Mowbray playing football, albeit for Ipswich. It was the latter end of his career, but I still did see him play actual football. But when Alex Neal left, to kind of take you back to that point, he only left because Stoke wanted him and he wanted to go and so on and so forth. And we all know that story. When Tony Mowbray came in, there was an element of like, ah, okay, that's like, what do you want for your Tesco meal deal? I'll have a ham sandwich. And it just felt a bit like, well, it's safe. It's not going to kill us, but it's not going to excite us very much. He won his first game and he thought, well, fair enough. But he came in, I think, the day beforehand and you were like, well, he might get us mid-table. He might be safe. And he's just like been brilliant for us. I feel like it's been one of those moments in like, Sunderland history, like a sliding doors moment in a way. Like I think we were kind of happy to get up and in, back into the championship and then just compete. I said, if we finish 15th, I'll take it. Like I just wanted a boring rubbish season or well not a rubbish season like a solidifying season uh, a one where we establish ourselves and we forget about league one forevermore and we ended up sixth I don't think it was a a great league I think the fact that you know we could sneak in at sixth on the last day of the season the fact that Borough and Coventry both had really bad starts and still got in the league playoffs I think speaks a lot about how open the division was last season and I'm, I'm kind of acutely aware of that but I do think Mowbray had an awful lot to do with it he seems to have this ability. I don't know what he says to them, but he must say something to make them feel loved because, you know, you see interviews with the players and I think it was Equar said after the um, Southampton game, he said, look, he said, um, it just feels like I'm playing in the park with my friends as a kid. And Jack Clark spoke after the Black, no, not Blackwood game, Sheffield game, sorry, last Friday when we won 3-0. And he said, look, the gaffer just gives us freedom to kind of do what we want. And I think his love of just saying to like a bunch of kids who want to show themselves, who want to be fearless, who want to play like free as as they are. And his ability to say to them, go and do it. It's just like a match made in heaven. And I think what people don't realise is the amount of things that have been thrown at him. He had Ross Stewart injured. When did we when did we play you? Like September? Like his third Mm. game or something? Ross Stewart gets injured and you think, oh, gonna have to play with Ellis Sims till December. Ellis Sims then gets injured a game two games later. So he plays with no strikers for like forevermore when he's trying to make an impression on a fan base that is angry at a manager that's just left, but were arguably very impressed by Alex Neal because of what he did. Gets to January, he loses Ross Stewart for like the rest of the season. He then loses all of his centre halves. He then like Dennis Serkins like perma injured all of the time. 
the amount of injuries he had last year and the injuries he's getting this year and the fact he keeps producing results, I think is also down to his mindset. He's a really positive guy. Loves these revels. Um, <laughs> he's a big chocolate fan. Um, <laughs> and he's a big fan of his Hugo Boss Gile, which to be fair, since he, he wore it, I think it was Boxing Day against um, Blackburn Rovers. He had his like Hugo Boss Gile on. And since then, he's never not wore it. And we've done really, really well since then. But he's he's fab, honestly. I, I could speak about him for days. I just really like him, but I couldn't tell you, you know, what it is that I like about him in terms of like what he's done. He just seems to fit. Like and the fact that he fits so well. I mean, he was there was people, uh, I think it was in the summer, we were linked to like a this foreign coach who, to be fair, is doing really well in, in the team he's with at the moment. But everyone was immediately like, no. <laughs> like, I like the succession plan in case, you know, Tony needs to go or whatever happens, but we would really prefer Tony Mowbray not to go. And I think it kind of summed up how sort of funny in a granddad way he was when the other week he was said, um, someone asked him, sorry, you, it's come out this week that your contract was extended by, you know, your performance last season, like automatically. What's your thoughts on it? And he was like, I didn't even know. Like, <laughs> had no idea. He said the only reason I found out was because Jack Clark was walking around the training, training ground going, well, well done, Gaffer, like thumbs up. <laughs> and I'm just thinking... And he's, he's just really funny. And I think I had I spoke to a Blackburn journalist when we got him to kind of get an overview of what Tony Mowbray was as a manager. And the one thing he repeated, almost like in a kind of annoying way, was he's a good bloke. He's just a really good bloke. You'll really like him. He's a good bloke. And I think he's obviously tactically aware. And the fact that he's a good person means that these young boys are wanting to play for him. So, yeah, I love granddad, Tony. Really, really like him. We've got an awful record against Tony Mowbray teams. So that leads me perfectly on to the fun part of the pod, the predictions. Graham, what are you going for? Um, I have really a really bad record with predictions. So I don't even know why I bother, to be honest. Um, um, you're not going to win forevermore. <laughs> I think it's really hard to win five games in a row in this league. I think a lot depends on our result tonight because if we get beat tonight, three points are kind of a must. I don't think a draw is good enough. Do I think we'll win tonight? Yes. Uh, so I kind of see it being a draw because I, th- I don't think you're going to sit back, which means that there's going to be spaces and we will exploit them. Like I'm pretty confident in that. But do I think we'll be able to keep Bora out? Yeah, I do if we did, but I don't think we will. I think... You had a win last year. We had a win last year. We'll probably overdue a draw, I think. So I'll say 1-1. Yeah, you know what? I was feeling a 2-2, but the type of draw where Borough come from behind, so it kind of feels like a win, but it will be an interesting game. Uh, Graham, thank you very much for for joining us and and lending us your insight. Uh, To the listeners, we will be back on Sunday for the usual post-game pod, hopefully discussing a fifth straight Middlesbrough win. Up the board breakdown. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 